Welcome to the GeoMob Podcast, where we discuss geo-innovation in any and all forms, be it for fun or profit. Hi, everyone. Ed Freifogel here. Welcome back to another episode of the GeoMob Podcast. Today, my guest is Muthu Kumar Kumar, who has, over the last year, been building up the GeoMob Munich community. So we're going to talk with him all about that and how he got it going, his background in geo, and hopefully it's a good guide for anyone out there who wants to start GeoMob in another city, or if you just want to learn about geo in Munich. Muthu, welcome. Tell us a bit about yourself. Hey, Ed, first of all. Thank you very much for having me on the podcast. It's a pleasure to be here this evening. I'm looking forward to it. I'm a navigation engineer. I'm working with Deutsche Bahn as a localization expert since February this year. Before that, I was working with Tremble as a GNSS engineer for the past four and a half years. I also happen to run a blog by the name of GeoAwesomeness, which basically covers all the geospatial topics around location-based technologies. So you're quite humble, Muthu, because GeoAwesomeness is, is massive. I mean, it, this is not just a blog. I mean, this is what is the readership of GeoAwesomeness? I mean, it, it's huge. <laughs> That's very kind of you. Yeah, I mean, we've been at it for almost nine years now. And right now we have a readership of about 200,000 page visits every month. I guess this year it's actually kind of exploded. Um, we had more than a million page visits already so far. Yeah. But we, we are a community of bloggers. It's, it's not just me. So we've had more than 100 people blog for GeoAwesomeness over the years. Okay. So that's a project you do on the side. Tell us a little bit about your background professionally. You're working on navigation type stuff. Is that it? Right. Navigation type stuff. That's pretty much it. So um, I graduated with a master's in space science and technologies uh, around it. And yeah, I've been working as a navigation engineer. That basically means I've been working with GPS or GNSS receivers. Um, the last couple of years, and I recently started a new role at Deutsche Bahn, the German Railways, um, as a localization expert, you know, trying to bring new localization technologies to the German, German Railways, so to speak. Yeah. So this is like literally figuring out where the train is, is that it? Yeah, in a nutshell, yes. I mean, currently, this has been done with other technologies that rely on equipment from the track side. We are trying to explore new technologies that could potentially take it forward and you know try to locate the train in a more safe and more precise manner than what's possible today. That's more or less it. Okay, very cool. Very cool. I mean, that gets you a lot of points on the GeoGeek scale, I would say, because you got Geo stuff, you also got the train set. It's, it's very cool. Okay, tell us a bit about more about GeoAwesomeness and, and what goes on there. And then what led you to get involved with GeoMob, like to set up GeoMob Munich? So first about GeoAwesomeness. Uh, GeoAwesomeness was actually started way back in 2011. The original idea was, you know, a typical blog that showcased our interest in the geo industry and our passion for all things location-based. Um, that's where we started off and it was started by a good friend of mine, Alex. Um, I joined Alex in 2013 and we've been at it ever since. Today we've had like I said, uh, more than 100 people who blogged for us or blogged for GeoAwesomeness. And it's getting more and more to a stage where we see our mission as um, evangelists for geospatial technology and everything awesome around it. And what you could technically do with geospatial data and geospatial technologies and um, write it or explain these uh, concepts in a way that's accessible to everybody. That's something that's very, very core for us that we don't want to use a lot of jargon. We don't want to focus on you know the content that makes it difficult for our people who are not within our wall garden 
in the geospatial industry and try to make it easier for people outside the industry to understand what's going on and maybe hopefully figure out how we could, you know, make it past the, the toothbrush test, so to speak. Very cool. Yeah. And congratulations on your the longevity of the project. I mean, I, I see a lot of people who kind of come in with the passion and they're like, oh, let's let's do this cool project. The hard part is the endurance, keeping it going for a long time. You know, that's impressive. Uh, that's that's actually very, very true. That's one of the things that's even a challenge for us even today. Luckily, we've been very, very you know fortunate to have very understanding partners who've been more than happy to let us spend a few hours every day, every week um, for the last couple of years focusing on this passion project, so to speak. But again, like I said, we've been very, very fortunate also in terms of other guest bloggers and people who've been very happy to uh, to discuss their ideas on geoawesomeness. So, yeah, it's been a lot of fun. I guess it was about a year ago or so, maybe a little longer. At some point, you said, it's not enough. You also need to get Geomob Munich going. What, right. what prompted um, that? And what, tell us about your experiences there. Right. I mean, uh, you and I have been speaking about this for quite a bit. And I always felt that building an online community was not enough. Or rather, it was, it was great. But I always felt that I had these wonderful conversations um, and discussions with people uh, virtually, and I always wanted to kind of create or recreate this experience in a physical way. I wanted to bring the community in Munich together, provide them a platform to be able to discuss and to have fun on geospatial topics. And that's when I decided to start Geomob Munich. And I loved how you kind of created and promoted Geomob in London. I think that's Geomob's uh, home ground. Yeah, so that's where we started, yeah. Yeah, and then we had Geomob in Munich, and now we have in Barcelona and Lisbon as well. One of my great frustrations is I haven't actually made it to a Geomob Munich, even though I, I used I lived and worked in Munich for five years, and I know the city quite well. And for whatever reason, I've you know I think you've had three or four of them now, and I, I just haven't actually made it there. And and I was due to come on the twenty sixth of March, and now of course everything's been canceled due to the virus. So it's one for the future. Um, I, yeah. I, I'm still looking forward to it very much. But tell us about it. So how did you get started? How big is the scene in Munich? How many people typically attend? How does it work? Is it different than Geomob in other cities? So we had um, last year we had four events in Munich, and the, the whole idea of of creating uh, Geomob in Munich was, like I said, you know, to create this community, to bring the community together, to give them a platform to discuss uh, spatial topics. And one of the things that we did quite differently in comparison to to the GMOB in London and also to, in Barcelona is that we always had a team for each of these events. So by a team, I, I basically mean topic um, that kind of binds all these talks together. So for example, the first one was about maps for machines. So all the speakers either were working on creating uh, maps that were not going to be consumed by humans, but rather by either an autonomous car or or kind of mapping the indoors so that a robot could navigate it and things like this. This was a key difference, I would say, in comparison to the other geomobs. And also another difference was that we had to also take care of getting pizza and beer, which made it logistically a lot more complex. I never really knew that when you organize an event, one of the things that you have to worry about is the pizza delivery service arriving at the exact time. It should not be too late. It should not be too early. You don't want to have people who are had their dinner and too tired to listen to talks and you don't also want them to be hungry. So it's kind of a very, very interesting 
problem to solve. Uh, we, in, in London, we take a different approach. There's no food. <laughs> yeah. We we leave that as an exercise to the attendee to figure out how they're going to eat. Yeah. So, but so what in in Munich? What kind of people are coming? What are the big companies there? And, and I assume there a lot of, must be a lot of people from the automotive industry. I mean, BMW and, and companies yeah. like that working on autonomous driving. But what other groups? What's the background of the people? That's actually a good question. To be perfectly honest, when I started Geomob Munich and when I was organizing the first event and with this topic of maps for machine, the whole thought process was that Munich is predominantly automotive powerhouse and most of the people who are going to be working in the geospatial industry or with maps are going to be somehow related to the automotive industry. And to my pleasant surprise, I discovered that Munich actually has a very, very diverse and vibrant geospatial community. Um, it's just not the big automotive players. You have a lot of consultants working in the geospace, you know, trying to use very rudimentary geospatial skills to see um, where they need to go in, in, for example, in Africa to try to find out which village or which city has the most potential if they were to install solar panels and try to sell electricity to the neighboring villages. You had also, um, you know, researchers at a DLR working on various topics, including uh, you know remote sensing and uh, you know machine learning with satellite imagery and things like this. And we also had architects who had the basic understanding of GIS and social media, trying to put these information together to try to find out how exactly they should be designing buildings that don't necessarily just focus on the location of the building itself, but also how it interacts with the environment on a larger scale. Yeah, and we also had people coming from Vodafone talking about how they use geospatial technologies in their telecommunications sector. So it was actually way, way more diverse and vibrant than I originally imagined it to be. It was not just the big automotive players. It was a key learning for me, yeah. Well, congrats. I mean, that sounds great. That sounds like a very diverse mix. And I think that's one of the things that, that I like about Geomob as well is that Geo is now everywhere, right? So on the one hand, you have the people who are the hardcore GIS people and who have studied and, and worked in the Geo industry. But then you also have all these other people who are just trying to use Geo kind of in their in their real business, you know, yeah. if you understand what I mean. Absolutely. Yeah. I'm keen to, to dig deep a bit on your experience because I would like to, one of the goals for the years, we, we would love to have more people start Geomob in, in their city. So, and you're, so far, you're the only person who's really done it. So, you know, how did you go about getting the first speakers? Was it difficult? And how did you find then after the first event, was it easy to keep the momentum of, to have more events? And tell us a little bit about that process. How did you take it from not existing to existing? So I guess I had it a little bit easier than people who would necessarily want to start a Geomob in their city from scratch because I had this huge online community um, thanks right. to GeoAwesomeness. So it was a little bit more easier finding speakers. But what was interesting was I was able to find speakers from Barcelona, from, from Poland um, and from the Czech Republic willing to fly into Munich just to give a talk. But it was a big learning curve to try to find speakers who were living and working in Munich, you know, finding these gems and trying to to motivate them to come to an event. That was quite quite an interesting uh, challenge, so to speak. In terms of the the real logistics of it, so since I had GeoAwesomeness, it was a lot more easier to get a location. And I guess this was the most key difference between Geomob Munich and Geomob London. Because the majority of the times in London, you had it either at the university or at a geovation. Right. 
So in, in, in your case, the location bar was more or less fixed. And um, since you didn't also have to worry about refreshments and pizza, it was a lot more easier, I guess. Whereas the meetup culture in Munich, I know we discussed this quite a few number of times, is kind of more oriented towards much more professional conference type or conference style events where people come in, they have something to drink, they know that they're going to get pizzas and stuff like this. And this kind of increased the amount of logistics that we had to do in order to be able to have a successful event. And you never really knew. And this was a very big learning curve for me. The first event, we had roughly about 140 RSVPs on Meetup. And in the end, close to 65 people showed up. And that was a no-show rate of roughly about 50%. And this was a learning curve for me. That yeah, that's a, that, yeah, that's a big, big challenge. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. This is one, I mean, we have talked about this, but my, my advice is always, how can we make the, the process simple? Because if it's not simple, it becomes work. And if it becomes work, you know, there's no budget or anything. And, and everyone's just doing this as a volunteer. So then it, at some point, volunteers get burned out or they get busy with, with our lives and it, it the question is how do we then maintain it so you always got to find the balance between creating an event that, that people like and enjoy and and is stimulating in all regards be it the speakers be it the the who comes be it drinks and and refreshments and food but also so how do we create create a high quality event but how do we do it in a way that is slow effort and sustainable and so. yeah, that's that, that's a valid point. I mean, that's something that I felt as well since I decided to take on the challenge of Geomob Munich and creating a, an event um, or four events last year. I really had a lot less time for geosomers. That's the reality. That's the truth. Did you find it got easier over time? I mean, was the fourth event much simpler? Once you got the momentum going, then was it, was it easier or was it... Each one oh, was it, oh it, it got easier in terms of trying to find speakers and not having to worry about simple things like how many people will turn up. But in terms of the other logistical aspects of it, it didn't really get much different from the first event. I still had to, to spend quite a bit of time taking care of ordering the right amount of drinks and the right amount of food and also taking care of finding the right place. Yeah, in that sense, it was quite a challenge. But if I had to do it all over again, I would definitely do it but I would also do things a little bit better. One of the things that I've realized is, although the, the, the meetup culture in Munich is quite different from the meetup culture in London or perhaps everywhere else in the world, you don't necessarily have to have drinks and food all the time. In my opinion, again, as someone who had, did live and work in Munich for some time, no one's coming to Geomob for the pizza. Yeah. Right. I mean, anyone who wants to get a pizza should go get a pizza. They're coming because they want to hear the talks. They want to mix and mingle with the other attendees. Um, ideally, in uh, you know what I what I try to offer in London or in Barcelona is it's not just that you're mixing and mingling with these people. There are many industry events where you can do that, but you're doing it in a very relaxed atmosphere. You know, it's not formal or stuffy. And likewise, amongst the speakers, it's not that every speaker is you know CEO or you know professor or something, but it's it's a it's a mix. It could be just a hobbyist. It could be some tiny new startup, but it could also be the CEO of some big company or something, you know? Yeah. So, so we, we have the broad mix. So, yeah, I guess in, in that regard, there was one golden rule that I always tried to follow in terms of finding speakers was to uh, look for somebody who was a doer. Yeah. It doesn't really matter if that person is a technical person or if it's a product manager or if it's the CEO, 
as long as it's the person who's actually getting his or her hands dirty and trying to do the actual work and not just reading of the slides, that's the person that you're looking for. And yeah, absolutely. Funny thing, I think it was after the second event or the third, I don't really remember anymore. One of the guys who was at the event, he came up to me and he said, hey, um, I just wanted to let you know that originally I came here for the pizza and the beer, but I decided to stay because I actually liked the talks. So that really, really felt nice. I mean, it <laughs> was, not a, was not a nice comment to say I came for the pizza and the beer, but I was quite happy to know that he actually stayed because he liked the talks. And that was very, very rewarding because at the end of the day, the best feedback you can get as an event organizer is when somebody comes up to you and says it was worth their time. Yeah, exactly. The pizza and the beer is not going to make it worth their time. This is absolutely clear. Yeah, right. that, that much I agree with you. So what, any advice for any listeners out there who are thinking to themselves, this is the year to get it going in my city or presumably once the virus situation is behind us, <laughs> we might want to hold off till after that. But but um, what advice do you have for someone you know in a city where there is no GMOV? One advice, go for it. I mean, it's been one of the most rewarding experiences for me. I've had a ton of ton of exciting people, interesting talks, so absolutely go for it. And in terms of real advice, I would say do not underestimate the time you need uh, to kick off the first event. Plan ahead, maybe two, three months ahead uh, of your first event so that you have the time to actually find the speakers, ensure that you have an event location. And if you decide to go get food and drinks and stuff like this, that you have a sponsor. This was my uh, biggest learning curve, so to speak. Because I decided to do my first event in April, but then I started somewhere in the end of February, in the beginning of March. And this was not really enough for the first event. I mean, it was, it was a success. I was very happy that we had more than 60 people at the first event, but it was quite stressful. I had to, to spend a lot of evenings trying to find the right speakers. And since I also decided on a team ahead of time and stuff like this. So give yourself the time. And uh, another advice would be to actually reach out online, either on Twitter or also on GeoAwesomeness if you're organizing a new event and look for speakers. This um, has been my personal favorite, that people actually are more than willing to talk. You just have to get the message across. Yeah, I mean, that that's for me one of the great joys of running GeoMob is it gives me a reason to contact anyone in the industry and say, hey, do you want to come speak? So yeah. um, just speaking for myself, but I, I assume I'm also speaking for you, Muth, is that, that we're very happy to help anyone out there who wants to get it going in their city and offer our advice and support and uh, yeah. help promote the event and help find speakers and things like that. Yeah, so. we should at some point in time, once things get back to normal, try to organize like a GeoMob meetup party, something like this, where we have GeoMobs at different locations on the same day. Maybe if things don't get back to normal, our next GeoMob will have to be, uh, you know, everyone can dial in. I hope I hope that's not the case. But I mean, wasn't the podcast already an idea to take it online? Absolutely, that is one of the ideas. Is that people can people who can't make it to the cities can still learn from the different speakers and things. Yeah. So actually, wait, well, with your new job, you no longer actually live in Munich, right? You now live in Berlin. So what does that mean for GMO Munich? That's true. I, I moved to Berlin at the beginning of February. GMO Munich will go on. It's sad for me personally that I'm not going to be involved on a day-to-day -day basis with Geoma Munich. But I'm very, very glad that a team of people, you know, Abby, Florian, Karen, and the other guys um, who were Geoma Munich regulars have now taken up the role of being organizers for it. So in that sense, the party goes on. 
they in fact the first event was supposed to be scheduled for the 26th of March but unfortunately now that's been cancelled due to the coronavirus pandemic the second one is on the 18th of June if I remember correct it's the provisional schedule yeah let's let's yeah. hope things can get back to normal by then you were supposed to be there on the 26th of March and that would have been a, a dream come true for the both of us I guess <laughs> but yeah well we'll link up at some point with you and If not in Munich, then somewhere else. I, obviously, I would love to have you come speak at, at in London or in Barcelona. I mean, it sounds like the work you're doing at Deutsche Bahn would be would be very interesting. Yeah, I mean, I've been here for for six weeks. I'm enjoying it quite a bit. I'm learning quite a few things as I go along. I I don't really have a railway background, so to speak, but it's exciting to see what the future holds and how innovative the projects are at Deutsche Bahn in terms of where they are aiming to be and what technologies they are looking to use. So that's quite exciting. All right. Well, as we wrap things up here, Muta, we um, have one standard closing question for the people who have been attending GMOB. Any any particular talks that stand out for you that you enjoyed the most? Yes, there's one absolute favorite of mine. And I think this was favorite for a lot of people because this was by an architect who didn't really have a background in geospatial technologies. She was basically showing us how she pulled data from social media and how surprisingly easy it was to pull up data from social media, put it in a very rudimentary GIS system and try to come up with answers to where they should place a next religious site. Hmm. Um, this was quite mind-blowing. We all know how fancy our GIS systems can be, but this was an architect who basically more or less had no idea or no background knowledge of GIS, was able to pull up data from social media in a very, very rudimentary way. She was not a hacker or a programmer, but this was really a standout for me. That was one. And the other one that I remember very, very vividly is a talk by a lawyer. And this is not something that usually happens at tech events, right? You don't have lawyers talking about stuff. He was talking about the laws that govern automotive or automobiles and how they would have to be changed and what the current situation is and what the current complications are if we were to move into an autonomous future. These are two talks that stand out. Of course, um, I mean, I'm biased. We also had Alex from GeoAwesomeness uh, fly in from Poland and he gave a talk that has to be mentioned because he flew in all the way from Poland and it's Alex from GeoAwesomeness. But yeah. Okay, well, that's great. Uh, that's fantastic. I mean, but let me again say thank you for getting it going in Munich. I'm, I'm delighted and someday I'll make it there. But um, even if I don't, it's, it's great to know that the community is thriving there and that yeah. you're getting a good mix of different different talks i mean it's so cool that you that you should explicitly mention talk by an architect and a lawyer because exactly those are people not from a traditional geo background those are the talks that kind of stand out to you so fantastic yeah. we i mean we have a meetup page and i think currently we have close to a 650 members on it wow. and the next event is on the 18th of june so if you are in munich or around munich and uh, do sign up Well, I'm, I'm hopeful I will be there. Mutu, what's the best way for people to get in touch with you? Anyone who wants to contact you and learn from your experiences? The easiest way to get in touch with me would be via email. That's mutu at geoawesomeness.com. That's M-U-T-H-U at geoawesomeness.com. Okay, perfect. We'll, we'll make sure to get that on the show. Notes. Thanks again, Mutu. Thanks, Ed. Have a nice evening and um, thank you again for having me. Bye. Thanks, everyone, for joining us today and listening to the GMOP podcast. Hopefully, you've enjoyed the discussion. Please don't hesitate if you have any feedback for us or any suggestions for topics that we should cover in the future. 
You can get the show notes over on the website, which is at thegeomob.com. While you're there, if you're not yet on the mailing list, please do get on the mailing list where we once a month send out an email announcing future events, summarizing past events, and just generally sharing uh, events that you may find of interest. You can also, of course, follow us on Twitter, where our handle is geomob. You can follow Steven at Steven Feldman. You can follow me at Fryfogel. You can check out Mappery at mappery.org. And of course, if you need any geocoding, please check out my service, which is opencagedata.com. We look forward to you joining us again at a future episode and of course, seeing you at a future GeoMop event. Hope to see you there soon. Bye.